Hey, friends and folks, Milo here. Just popping in ahead of the episode to let you know that unfortunately we did have some sound hiccups while recording this episode. It should still be listenable and everything, but you may notice a dip in sound quality this week and next week, but then we should be back to normal. So thanks for sticking with us. Thanks so much. Enjoy the episode. podcast all about phrase etymology and why we say the things that we say. I'm Milo. And I'm Dave. He's my dad. And she is my daughter. We remembered how to say it. We did. <laughs> we forget before. Oh, I mean, Jesus. it's just been a minute. Yeah, Sorry, been a guys. It's been about a month since we recorded. Yep. Um, as you know, previously, if you listened to the last couple episodes, uh, my dad had COVID and then I had COVID. Yeah, it was not from me, though. As far as we know, it was not from you. <laughs> From the science we know now, it wouldn't be possible for me to have given it yes. to you, but that doesn't mean that's what happened. Yes, because still- science changes all the time, and that's okay, because that's how the scientific process works. We have hypotheses, and sometimes they get disproven, and that's okay. People on Facebook, ha. Ah, well, anyway. No feelings there. Nope, not even a little bit. No. Anyway, we're both fine now, yeah. uh, and we are back to recording, which I am excited about. Are you excited? I'm very excited. I've Yay. been looking forward to it all week. We, we kind of thought about being able to record last week, but we ruled against it. Um, But we are back with a vengeance, and we are happy to be back. A vengeance. A vengeance. And if, for those of you paying attention, it is my turn to present a topic. It is indeed. And so I shall. Um, (laughs) How kind. I know. I am a kind person. So one of the things that's true about me and people who know me know this is that my head is full of information and most Mm -hmm. of it is pretty useless. Uh Right. (laughs) Trivia extraordinaire. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I'm pretty good at and I've known for a while is I know, I think, all of the major um, cast members of Gilligan's Island. Okay. The Personally? The cur- I do, even though most of them are That's dead. impressive. Yes. You say seances because they're all pretty much dead. Seances. Seances. Because it's what? on an island in the middle oh, of the sea. No. I've never seen Gilligan's Island. What have you done? Um, a three-hour tour. But... I know, like, the actors' actual names and, like, the skipper, uh, for those of you who know, you know, he was the, the guy, the bigger guy who was, he got them all in trouble and got them marooned on this island. Uh-huh. Um, like, they, through the whole show, he's only known as the skipper. Oh, really? But the first episode, they, or in the notes, there's actually, he has a name. Okay. Which is Jonas Grumby. Oh, sure. You like that? That's a pretty good name. It's not bad for I a like sailor. It. I yeah. Mean, come on. Uh, anyway, so I have that stuck in my head. And my wife uh, found a couple months ago that I have a lot of lead singers' names stuck in my head. I just uh-huh. really like the names of lead singers of certain bands. Bono. Uh, Nailed it. Good. Wow, really good. I know one. I'm so proud of you. Uh, but, like, bands I'm not even a fan of. And, like, she'll, like... I, and I don't know why. I just... I kind of pay attention. It sticks in my head. That's strange. It is kind of strange. Um like Cindy Lauper, lead singer. Cindy Lauper. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as impressive as this one. I, oh, okay. I didn't. I mean, I know who that is mostly because I do murder mysteries, and there's a character named Cindy Leapier. Oh. No. Uh, yeah. Okay. And Joan Jumbo Jet. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Joan Jet. Pat Minotaur. Oh, this is not going better. We should restart this. <laughs> I don't think anyone wants to listen to this. I can edit that out. No, no, no I'm kidding. Don't do that. That's funny. Um, any any other horrible plays on names? Uh, I mean, that all of them are full of them. Wow. Pat Minotaur. <laughs> but saying that you know the lead singer of Joan Jett and the Blackhearts is not impressive. Not so much. Saying that Smashing Pumpkins, the lead singer is Billy Corgan, why do I know that? I don't know. Not sure. But I just, it's in my head. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> so another thing that I know of is that I have, like, if you name a movie, mm-hmm. and I read, I read every Friday in the newspaper, I get the newspaper pretty much every Friday because I am old school, and I'll read every movie review. And I've done this for decades. Okay. Because I really like movies. Yeah. So a lot of movies, even though I haven't seen them, I have no interest in seeing them, 
a lot of the time, I'm not super great at it, but I'm pretty good at knowing who is in a movie and mm-hmm. what it's about and like people who aren't into movies find it impressive. And then you meet somebody who really knows their stuff and yes. you realize you know nothing. Like trivia night people. I'm like, oh, oh I know gosh. some trivia, but that's definitely not. Yeah, I'm kind of like a mediocre. I'm higher than the average person, but the experts out there put me to shame just to be fully transparent. By the way, this is just my dad reading from his old match profile. <laughs> it is. Um, I got to another part here. I live in my parents' basement. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, that's not a good thing to put on the match profile. I mean, it's honest. You <laughs> might get people based on honesty. How honest do you? How honest do you think you should be on a match profile? There's some things maybe not put out there right away. Yeah, probably. But honesty definitely best policy. But okay. oh, some omission is maybe wise. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to get any dates if you post everything yes. right up front. Uh, anyway, that all has nothing to do with our episode today. Then why? Other, <laughs> other than. Again, uh, if you're new to this podcast specifically, um, you've, shut the, you've shut it off by this point. But for those of you who have hung <laughs> on, um, the thing I really enjoy about the, doing this podcast is I get to find really interesting tidbits. Mm-hmm. And in this episode, there's a couple of things that just kind of jumped out at me. Like, I thought I kind of knew the topic I was investigating today. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. And I got more useless knowledge. Yeah. But it's interesting stuff to me and hopefully to you. What are podcasts for, if not useless knowledge? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Not that there aren't podcasts out there with good knowledge. I mean, that's true. That's, this is just not one of the podcasts. <laughs> um, unless you're really into uh, etymology and not entomology, um, that would be a different thing. Yes. But, okay, so I want to start with a song. Okay. All right? And you know the song. And most of you know it. Do a deer, a female deer. Never heard of her. A drop of golden sun. Oh, God, it burns. <laughs> Me. I don't think this isn't Jingle Bells Batman smell. It is now. Your own commentary. <laughs> would, would you finish the first part of that song? Because you sing better than I do. I just had COVID, so my throat is not in the best place for singing. But Give it a shot. What do you mean? The very beginning yeah, of the just, song? Like, just, just sing the first part of it so people can hear oh. it properly. Do a deer, a female deer, ray a drop of golden sun. Me, a name I call myself, uh, a long, long way to run. Which is a weird... Uh, I know, I, it's, really it's better than law, though, which yeah. they totally copped out on because it's law, a note to follow. So, <laughs> which just you know, y'all didn't try. They're writing that song. They're like, uh, we're really stuck on law. Law is we're kind of stretching a long way to run. Sure, okay. Rogers law. and Hammerstein are just like, mm, it's one a.m. We're done. <laughs> Screw this, Rogers. <laughs> Who is the angrier one of Rogers and Hammerstein? I honestly don't know that much about them, which I is probably uh, I should know more about. Them yeah, you should, maybe that's your next one, is you can well, do Rogers Namerstein. You better do one, too, for the name people. But I know what my next episode's going to be. Yeah, well, no, it's fine. It doesn't have to be the next one. Anyway, that song does... You have a great voice, by the way. I was going to say, where's my applause? It's okay. <laughs> Y'all better be applauding in your cars, too. Yes, we'll be watching um, through your cell phone cameras because we figured out how to hack them. Um, anyway, that is the point of this episode, is we are going to talk about that in one of the... Julie big, Andrews, or...? Yes, The Sound of Music. If you've been in choir, which you and I both have, yes, you've sang you've sang do re mi fa sol la ti do. You've sung mm-hmm. that, yeah, in many many organizations and ways, and sometimes by yourself at home. Oh, I still do to this day. Of course, because some of those drills just get really get stuck in your head. Yeah, and and it's really uh, some. It's very interesting why they get mm-hmm. stuck in your head. Which we're not going to dive into that. In this oh, episode. okay. <laughs> well, nice of you to bring it up. It is. You do your own research. I can't do it all. I'm Psychology of music is incredible. It really is. Well, so one of the first things I learned uh, in doing the research for this pod, this episode, is I thought that was called the soul fetish. Uh huh. I thought, do re mi. I'm like, that's the soul fish. Mm-hmm. It's not. Bum, bum, bum. I thought, I'm like, oh. So the first thing I learned is that's not accurate. Mm-hmm. Do re mi fa sol la ti do is not the soul fish. It is a type of soul fish. Yes. And here are a few other things I learned completely random that I just wanted mm-hmm. to share with you. So... You know, as you and I both do, we do we don't do research old school way. We do it new school. We do it yes. pretty much primarily through the internet and uh, different websites which we've talked about. Mm-hmm. The first thing I discovered is is that the word solfege has an accent over the first e. Yes. 
Okay, I learned that. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. I discovered also that I do not know how to type the accent over the, <laughs> on the keyboard. Neither do I, and I took multiple years of French. Is there a way to do it? Yes, it's like a, you can do certain keyboard shortcuts, um, but you can also set it up to make it easier, um, where they're like shorter shortcuts, because I think the ones you have to do like Control and Alt and like a letter and a number to get like the nobody's, proper accent aigu or grave or circumflex or whatever. You're saying words but, Or... <laughs> The best one for all of you people who learn languages that have accent marks, you'll appreciate this. My French teacher always for tremas, which is the two little circles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she would go trema boop while poking out her two fingers, <laughs> and now I will it. never forget yeah, trema. Um, I thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, another thing I discovered, which is completely unrelated to the episode, but uh, it just took. You know, sometimes you got an interesting path. Oh yeah. So I I discovered that sole. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm a bad typer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I discovered that Soul Edge <laughs> is actually an album by the artist A-Star. I don't know who A-Star is. Neither did I. Oh, okay. I know there's an anime called B-Stars. Don't know about that. I know there's the B-Movie with Jerry Seinfeld. There we go. We're really uh, <laughs> galaxy-braining today. We really are. Um, this is what we get for not recording for a month. <laughs> I know. You guys, I'm so sorry. You have to put up with us just kind of reconnecting and having fun. So, A-Star, um, uh-huh. I thought, well, who in the world is a star which you know come on you gotta you gotta it's a pretentious name mm-hmm. his, his name his music name is a star so he's just dubbing himself to be a star is born so well true <laughs> sad movie haven't seen it didn't know Bradley Cooper could sing like that good for him um, a star just give you a little bit of information because I had to research this person named a star mm-hmm. is considered probably by his own uh, this is a bio he wrote himself he is probably uh, the most prolific Afro beat artist of his generation. Oh, Afrobeat is fun. And I have found, and some call him the king of Afro dance. Oh. And the other thing I discovered, I do not care for the music of A-Star. Oh, no. <laughs> not, it wasn't made for me. Okay. No, nothing wrong with it. It's just, yeah. uh, I listened to a couple songs and I'm like, okay, that's for other people. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Um, I don't have to like everything. So again, I'm so sorry. It's a, way, it's a big tangent. I just thought it was kind of funny. So um, as I was looking that up, and I said, okay, what's a solfege? I thought this was a, it's not. So mm-hmm. what is, then what is the solfege? Mm-hmm. And the, the main goal of this um, episode is like, well, where did do re mi, where did that come from? Like, how did that start? Hard-hitting like, investigative journalism here. Well, someone's got to do it. Yeah, no. It, it's a rare uh, supply anymore. You can't find it. <laughs> if you saw the movie Spotlight, with Mark Ruffalo and uh, a great cast. It's a great... It, that Never was heard of it. Investigative. You should watch it. Okay. It's a very good movie. It's about the real life story of how, um, I think it was the Boston Globe, the uh, expose of what was happening in the Catholic Church. Oh, I have heard of that. I actually listened to a podcast oh, on it. Good Christian fun. Good podcast. It's a it's a fun... It's a... It's a no, it's not fun. I'm just <laughs> thinking of the word from your podcast. Yes. Or your... Um, you said... It's a great movie. It's very, but that was investigative journalism. Yeah. That just, I don't know, exists anymore. Um, and if it does, you don't know which investigations to trust. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately. Anyway, I know. It's it's a problem. So, of course, then I have to find out if Dory Me is not the sole fetish, well, then what does that word even mean? Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you're looking up a definition, sometimes you get a definition that's helpful. Sometimes you get a definition that's not helpful. So I go to Oxford Dictionary. Uh-huh. Right? Like one source. does. Yeah, absolutely. The definition of soul fetch was solmization. That was it. Just oh. The word solmization. Okay. I don't know what the heck solmization is. Do you think they is. do that just so they can get more clicks? I think they do. <laughs> but if you looked up the actual dictionary, you'd probably have the same thing. Yeah. And maybe they get page swipes. Uh, maybe they get paid. <laughs> they would track those. So there was two definitions. Number one, solmization, which no one's heard that word before. Well, I haven't. Um, the second one was... A little more helpful. Uh, the study of singing and musicianship using solmization symbols. Okay. We're making progress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little bit. I'm like, okay, great. That's a little better. Not much. So I found a definition that is much more helpful mm-hmm. than for those of you who are very musically inclined, 
I, you'll know a lot of everything's happening. The stuff I come up with, you're be like, duh, knew yeah. that. Um, but for an ordinary person like myself, and um, even you with some music education, I think there's some. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting to learn. I, not, friend of the pod, uh, Maya, who was on a previous episode, she has a music degree. Oh. And definitely when I met her, I was like, oh, I don't know that much about music. <laughs> <laughs> you might think, you're like, I'm pretty good. And then you meet an expert. Again. Yes. And I was like, I yeah, I, I know like a handful of things, but definitely not someone who has studied this in t- with intention. Have you seen, um, there's a YouTube uh, channel or show or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Where they take a topic and they describe it in five levels of um, detail. Oh, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Um, it's, it's like on for Insider, I think. Yeah. Like yeah. one's uh, like a kindergartner and then there's like, and it goes up to mm-hmm. like, you know, academic level. I did one on Harmony and the first oh. two were kind of interesting. And then the expert level is just like nonsense might, to you. <laughs> it might have been a different language. Yeah. Might as well have been. Yeah. They would understand this stuff. So if you, okay. if you understand that show and have seen that on YouTube, this is going to hold nothing new for you. <laughs> Just the joy of watching a father or listening to a father and daughter having fun on a podcast. Which is so, probably what you're here for anyway. Yeah, let's be honest. Yeah, probably. It's not, a, it's not my stunning good looks. Um, Okay, so face this, for radio. This, oh, <laughs> no, I just I'm not okay. an actual true. I just oh. find that phrase very funny. It is. It's an old one. Okay, so here's a definition that was much more helpful. Um, so in music, a solfege or solfeggio, and I, I am so sorry if I'm saying some of these wrong. I may be. Dad is not fluent in Italian. No, uh, also called solfa with a hyphen, solfa without the hyphen, mm-hmm. uh, solfeo, and there's among many names is a music education method used to teach oral skills, A-U-R-A-L, not O-R-A-L, mm-hmm. uh, pitch and sight reading of Western music. Or, to put it much more simply, solfege is the system of naming tones which helps musicians develop a sense of the relationships between notes in a scale. Okay. All right. Um, so now, at... There was another word I needed to look up, though, because in the original definition that I looked up, there was a word I hadn't seen before, mm-hmm. solmization. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to take a quick aside. Okay. Because I want to ask you a question. Yep. You do a lot of reading like I do. True. Um, when, how often do you come across a word and you're like, oh, I don't know what that is? Um, I'm not sure. I think it's interesting because in school they teach you to you know, not look it up unless you absolutely have to and try to figure out based on context clues, probably just for efficiency for the teacher's sake. Um, but I, I really like, I got a Kindle a few years ago and I love the Kindle feature where you can just click on a word and it'll tell you what it means. It's awesome. It's really nice because it, it helps you actually learn a word rather than just kind of floating by it. Cause I'm very good at just floating by a word and figuring out, you know, yeah. but I, I, I think I have an above average vocabulary, at least that's Absolutely. what I have been told okay. by many people upon first meeting them. I think I do okay, but like definitely there are times I'm very glad for that feature where I can just click on something and be like, oh, great. I know what vivisepulture is now. No, Didn't before. Says, what does that mean? You, oh, we did this in a previous episode. We did, but yep. remember. Uh, buried Alive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vivisepulture. Right. Um, so how often do you find, and of course it very much depends on the type of book you're reading, but how often yeah. would you say that you run across a word that you don't recognize and you need to look it up or press the word so that the definition pops up magically? I mean, maybe like two or three times a book. Okay. Okay. Now, here's, and do you do the majority of your reading on the Kindle now, or do you still do the paper? I do the majority on audiobooks and uh, Kindle, but I still, that's mostly because the library has been closed. Yeah. Uh, so it's just easier. The Libby app is a lifesaver. Yes. And using that to get books has been great during the pandemic. So here's my other question, because I've <laughs> just uh, kind of being a little transparent here about uh-huh. who I am. Um, have you ever been reading a paper book, run across words you didn't remember or didn't, I'm sorry, didn't understand and mm-hmm. was new to you and had the initial instinct to touch the word on the page, <laughs> hoping the definition would come up? I don't think I've done that, I've, but it wouldn't surprise me if I had. I have not 
touched the word in the book, but I had that instant of, uh-huh. oh, I can just press the word and the definition doesn't work with paper books. I no, found. the digitization of our impulses. <laughs> well, and I, I, you know, and it took a couple minutes after having my finger on the book and the, mm-hmm. and the word and it didn't come up. And I was Digitization. Very, yes. Because oh, fingers, oh, digits. She's pointing at me. Get it? So I could it was good. You point. didn't get it my is. fun. <laughs> it is. I get your point. Uh, hey. Good. Hey, nailed it. Uh, now, we're going to stop with the finger puns because that's not something anyone wants. <laughs> it's a very pun-centered episode. They all are. Now, the, the author that I have... About every two pages I've had to look up oh, the wow. word was Stephen R. Donaldson in the Thomas Covenant series. Okay. He has a ridiculous amount. Like, it's almost annoying at times. Yeah, that can get like distracting because it's like, okay, who can actually make it through this? Uh, <laughs> and yeah. somebody can. Crepuscular? But... I, mean, I know that word, but I don't know twilight. what it means. Oh, okay. Like, you don't need to say crepuscular. Or yeah. Like, just say twilight, dude. Come on. Does it come across as poetic or does it come across as dense? Pretentious. Okay. Dense, dense uh, pretentiousness, I think, on Mr. Donaldson's part. But mm-hmm. it's a great story. There's 14, I don't know, there's a whole bunch of books in the series. There's like 10. It's yeah. very, very limited. Is it Mark so, Twain who had the quote about the mark of a good writer is not writing so no one can understand it, but the mark of a good writer is writing so everyone can understand it. It could be. I'm not familiar with that quote. Yeah, but it sounds it's twainish. something approximate to that. So, um, back to the Oxford, Dition- Oxford Dictionary, and um, <clears throat> we needed to look up. The, I needed to look up the definition of the word solmization. Mm-hmm. So, solmization. We haven't even gotten through the definition. No, we haven't. We're still. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, we're like 15 minutes in. We're just getting started. 23. Oh no. Well, I better pick it up a notch. Um, so, and this will be a normal, even though we're screwing around a lot, this is a normal uh, length episode. Yep. I think. Um, so, solmization is a system of associating each note of a scale with a particular syllable, especially mm-hmm. to teach singing. Yes. So, to kind of tie these two together, um, for the simple people like myself, a solfege is a form of solmization. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, now that we know what it is, we've got through the definition, it only took us 20 minutes, now we're going to talk about where it came from. Okay. So, one of the things that, again, I, I love researching for this podcast because like, I had no idea how old this was. Okay. Did you have an idea of how old this was? I, I don't think I could tell you. Um... Yeah, yeah I mean, guess, is, is it from, like, Victorian age? Well, give me a year. Like, no, no just, don't just, make me. No, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I would have I missed it by a mile. I'm going to say, well, I'm going to mush it around now and say 1500s. A thousand. The year of thousand. Oh, God. Okay. No, I know, right? I was off by 500 years. Well, I, I know, but you're like, I, I yeah, have no idea that is old. old. So, there is a guy, we can attach a name oh, awesome. to this, mm-hmm. which is fun. It's specifically, the Dory me. Yeah. We know who came up with that. Okay. Even though it was, you know, it's like really old, like mm-hmm. over a thousand years old. Um, his name, and this is for you, his name is Guido Monaco de Arezzo. I love it. Very good. Oh. Italian's wonderful. Say it. Say it with me. I'll, I'll read it. It's right there. Okay. Guido Monaco de Arezzo. Yeah, exactly. So. Maybe. <laughs> I think, I don't know if the Guido is, the first name is more Guido. But the other sure. Guido. It doesn't matter. My best friend growing up, Jim Robinson, who lives mm-hmm. in Texas, we uh, talked about. Um, shout out to Jim. What? Hey, Jim. Um, he's not listening. He has a nephew. He had a, he still does. But his nephew, when he was a little boy, we used to call him Guido all the time. Okay. Don't know why. Weird. But that's where I, that's a. So Guido, of course, was the guy's name. Mm-hmm. Monaco just simply indicated he was a monk. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. And, of course, he was popularized. He became famous when he lived in the town of Arezzo. Oh, okay. So that's what. He so did. this was back in those days where you kind of only had one name, and the rest of the names were about were just things about you. Yeah, everyone was like Elvis or Madonna back then. Yes, mononymous. Do 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 do. Mononymous. Do 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 do. Did you know that Mononym. the first uh, appearance of the Muppets was doing that song on the Ed really? show in the sixties? I sing that song so often. Amazing. Just with so many different things. Most notably, my younger sibling and I, in order to torture our aunt when we lived with her, <laughs> we would sing during commercial breaks during TV we were watching, we would sing 
vagina hawk. Do, 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 do. Because your sister is made uncomfortable by references to genitalia. And I don't know why it's vagina hawk, but that's what it was. Yeah, I think you could do like, yeah, you could do more. Like the, the vagina part, I get the hawk part. I don't understand. I don't, I don't remember. It's like a bad rapper's name. Vaginal hawk. Anyway. Oh, wow. We've talked about vagina dentata before. There's, there's nowhere to go from here. In this episode. No. Um, (laughs) If you want to know what that means, you're just going to have to go back and listen to previous episodes. Yes. So our friend Guido. Uh Uh-huh. To bring it back. um, (laughs) The period episode to be exact. Go on. Yes. He was, Guido was born in about, they either think 990 or 991. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean. Still around? Yeah, he is actually. uh, Amazing. He's immortal. Um, But he, you know, we were able to see the turn of the century. So is Guido, obviously. Yeah. Um, this guy was quite the innovator when it came to music. Uh, so, so back when Guido was doing his monastic musical thing, obviously music wasn't written down like it was today, like it mm-hmm. is today. So Guido was the choir director for his abbey. Okay. But he was having a hard time helping monks learn new chants. Okay. Right? Because that's, you know, monks uh, obviously are very chanty. They like to do chanting <laughs> thing. And, you know, apparently he was an impatient person because the only thing you could really do is just the repetition. Yep. You just had to sing the new melody over and over again until the monks got it. And I think Guido was like a very efficient person. This is probably a dumb question, but mm-hmm. is... Was musical notation codified by then? I believe uh, so, right? I, yes, I believe it was. Yes, I'm pretty sure it was. Okay. I'll explain why in a second. Um, which, again, th- I don't know why, but sometimes the really ancient stuff is very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So, as Guido is trying to be very innovative, uh, this takes these, these knuckleheads way too long to learn <laughs> this music. Um, he came up with a method for teaching the singers to learn chants in a short time. And this method quickly became famous throughout northern Italy. However, around 1025, he attracted the hostility of other monks at the abbey who resisted his musical innovations. So he moved to the oh. town of Arezzo. Dang, that's some pretty intense hostility about music if you have to move town. I, I don't know if they thought it was like evil or something, but something wow. about the new innovation and what he was doing, they really, uh, maybe he was cocky about it. Maybe he was like, hey. Yeah, maybe he was just a dick. Maybe he was. Or maybe it was like obscuring like the purpose of it from God or something. It I don't, be. yeah. He was probably mad about it. Um, so Arezzo didn't have an abbey, but mm-hmm. they did have a large group of cathedral singers. Okay. So that was enough to get our friend Guido um, moving over. So he, in the Wikipedia article and some of the other research I saw, was a little fuzzy on what this initial change was Mm -hmm. that got him in trouble. But when he went to Arezzo, this is where he came up with the do re mi. Okay. All right. So, and to do it, he decided to use a chant. Again, monks being very chanty and like mm-hmm. to chant things. Um, even when they're at dinner, they will order, they will ask for things in a chant. Those, that's not true at all. A lot like sailors. They're very shanty. <laughs> that was kind of a joke. <laughs> kind of. I'm not even going to signify a response. Um, so, you know, <laughs> monks love their Gregorian chant. Have you, yes. Do you like Gregorian chant? I think it's beautiful. I love it, but in small doses. Yeah, it's not like something I could have on my like Spotify playlist all the time. No, but no, no. if I heard some at Christmas time, you're like, oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, or you get like a really good like acoustics like yes. space, and people are singing. It's like, oh yeah, I'm into yeah. it. And that's when I missed the choir days because mm-hmm. it was fun to be a part of that and to make that. Um, so. This is what he used. This, um, our Guido used ut, re, mi, fa, sol, and la. Okay. So when he wanted to teach his choir a new chart or a new chant, they would learn the notes using these syllables. And this is called a hexachord. Okay. Using those six notes, which I mm-hmm. did not know that. So, but why those words? So now we know the progression. Right. To teach the different notes, but why those words? And you'll notice if you're paying attention, I didn't say do at the beginning. I Yes, it's different. And there's a reason why. So these these random words that Guido came up with. Are they random? They're not. They actually came from a Latin hymn. Oh. Called Ut Cleant Laxis. Oh. Which is the hymn to St. John the Baptist. Oh, okay. So here is that hymn. It's very short. Mm-hmm. I'll just, I'm going to do my best, so don't, don't send your angry responses to us. Are you reading it in Italian? I'm reading it in Latin. 
Oh, okay. Choose in Latin. Go for it. Ut quiant laxis resonare fibris mira gestorum famuli tuorum solve poluti labi reatum sancte Johannes. And I was almost afraid I was going to summon a demon. <laughs> we, put, we put salt all around the, uh, the room just in case uh-huh. I said a word wrong. I don't want to summon anything <laughs> ancient or evil. Um, so this is what those words mean in English. So that your servants may, with loosened voices, resound the wonder of your deeds. Clean the guilt from our stained lips, O St. John. Okay. Which would be something that is quite short. Johannes. Sante Johannes. You can Google this, and you can have people. You can hear people singing this, mm-hmm. and the 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 notes are just like the scale. Oh, okay. So <clears throat> if you're paying attention, that's where you get ut re mi fa. It's the okay. first part of each word. That's interesting that they're like phrasing. syllables. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like that to me. That was like that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Very interesting stuff. So, again, we follow where curiosity takes us in this podcast and we're, while we're researching. So, I see this. I'm like, well, great. Who wrote that? Yeah. Who wrote the hymn to St. John the Baptist? You'll enjoy this next little part. It's specifically for you. Probably a Catholic. I'm guessing. <laughs> Actually, no. It was a uh, it was a Buddhist monk. No. Wild. No, it's not true. So, this next little section is just for you. It's oh, all, boy. It's all about names. The guy who wrote the hymn to St. John the Baptist was Paulus Diaconus. Okay. Who lived in the 8th century, and Paulus Diaconus is pretty much just stands for Paul the Deacon. Okay. Which sounds like a gang name. A gang name. <laughs> <laughs> Paul the Deacon. I hey. don't know if there's any gangs that use know. all, like, clergy member names. I don't know. Maybe they should be. I don't know. Like, well, you can Paulus start that. Diaconus. You're not Catholic, but, no, I'm not, but <laughs> you might get in trouble. Like, well, I don't want that. I want trouble with the Catholic. <laughs> anyway, so this next part is just some names in there that I thought was kind of fun as I looked into the history of Paul's Dock and that's yeah. his lineage. So in, in 568 in Italy, a man named Lupicus, yeah, or Lupicus, immigrated to Italy in the train in the train of Alboin, king of the Lombards. There is a lot happening. Okay, no, it's all for you. And so one of Lupicius' sons, uh-huh. his namesake, Lupicius Jr., sure. he returned to Italy years later. The grandson of younger Lupicius was Warnafred, who oh. his, wife, his wife Theodelinda. Are, are we in Game of Thrones now? I just this is this is like history. This is real stuff. Yeah. Theodelinda oh. became the father of Paul. Paul was his monastic name, who he was born. Winfred, son of Warnafred. Okay. All that's for you. Thank you. That was a lot. You are welcome. I know, but King Alboin, King of the Lombards. Would you follow King Alboin? Alboin? I I would. He sounds like a clown, and I'm kind of into it. (laughs) King Alboin. (laughs) (laughs) I just, in Italian, that would have been better, but I don't know that. Anyway, so that's where you get the the ut rema. But of course, obviously, um, you're noticing that there's a difference between what Guido did. It has changed at some point. Well, and so you know, obviously, the first word ut mm-hmm. um, as a part of ut quand lexis, um, we changed to do. Yes. And you're like, well, when did that happen, and why? Um, so it, that actually changed in the 1600s. Mm-hmm. For the first 600 years, people would do the ut, re, mi, fa, sol, la, and they would do that. All right? mm-hmm. So there was a guy, what they wanted to do is they wanted to create um, an open sim- syllable at the mm-hmm. end of the first one, like the rest of them, you know, like re, mi, obviously. Right, so you can carry the sound. Yeah, so ut yeah. is just closed and you're done. Yep. So there was a guy um, in Italy who changed the first syllable to do. Okay. Happened to be part of his name. Oh. A, ge- a musicologist in mm-hmm. 1600s named Giovanni Battista Doni. Okay. Um, based on the sil- first syllable of his surname. Sure. Like, dude, like really? <laughs> that's, that's great. And now we've been singing that now for 400 plus yeah. years and over and over. And that's actually a reference to a guy's name. That's fascinating. I thought that was kind of cool. So now the other thing, there's a couple other things you may have noticed. They added yeah, C. It became an octave instead of a... What was the hex? Hexachord. Hexachord. But then there's, you know, octave eight. 
Sower. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> they added they added C uh-huh. to the to the scale because they wanted to finish it. I'm gonna I'm just gonna do reading here. Okay. Because uh, I don't understand any of this or very mm-hmm. little, but I'm gonna read it for those of you who want more education and information. So C was added to finish the diatonic scale. In music theory, a diatonic scale is any heptatonic scale that includes five whole steps, or whole tones, and two half steps, semitones, in each octave, in which the two half steps are separated from each other by by either two or three whole steps, depending on their position in the scale. The diatonic scale would be represented by the white notes on the piano. Apparently, this is called the movable do system. Do would always be your tonal center for music using major scales. Wherever home bass is tonally, that's do. There's another variant on this system called the fixed do system. In this system, C is always do, and every other note has its own name. This would encourage perception of each note being unique as opposed to being relative, as in the movable do system. Does that make sense? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, not to me. <laughs> so then C was changed to T. Okay. Because originally it, was, it wasn't, you know, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. It was do, re, mi, fa, so, la, la si, si, do. do. Okay. Um, so T didn't show up until the 19th century. Mm-hmm. And they did this so that every syllable could start with a different letter. Okay. And this was done um, by Sarah Glover. Okay. An English music educator who also invented the Norwich Sol- Solfa system. Not familiar. <laughs> no, I, and I looked up into her a little bit, but again, you can just get so, there's so much more here. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's I mean, just it's, ridiculous. it's been around for a thousand plus years. There's a lot of history. Oh, and there's like a whole thing in relation to um, the Guido uh, had a thing with his uh, hand, and he would use like oh, the yeah. hand to teach. Do, re, mi, fa. No, 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 each finger. Oh. There's like a whole chart. I okay. I put it on. Yeah. On our notes. There's a lot of good pictures through this one, I bet. There, there are. In, in like, it's like, it was called like the Guidonian hand or something. Okay. Which, and there's like the, there's a whole thing on the Wikipedia page of like a drawing and one okay. hand and musical notes. and. Do you know when the modern hands, or at least the ones we learned today, come from? No. Because that's something we definitely did in choir classes. You know, you have the fist for do, oh, and then gosh, it's ray with right. the open hand of the tilt, and then flat, and back and forth. And Yeah, there... In a thousand years, there's been a lot of different things added. I didn't, I didn't even remember that. They didn't mm-hmm. talk much about it in the articles. So. I'm guessing it's more. Mo- I don't know. Could be. Um, I, I just have a little bit of an anecdotal story involving your mother uh-huh. and, and and the soul. Who knows more about music than both of us combined? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Because she <laughs> was classically trained in the piano. Yes. Um, and so she went to when she was going to Grand Rapids Junior College, which mm-hmm. it was called at the time Community College. She took. She wanted to be a music major. Yeah. And um, she has a younger brother, Denny. Mm-hmm. And um, Denny is a real smart guy, very, very hard worker in school. A lot of his good grades were just because he just was determined to get good grades and worked very hard at it. And he's also very smart. Um, When he found out that she was going to take music classes, he totally, like, in a very West Michigan, somewhat play way, just mocked her. Really? Oh, yeah. He's just... I didn't know this. Like, oh, yeah. You're just blowing... You're just like just totally skating through. You just want to get good grades. <laughs> he didn't know anything. He did not understand. He did not. <laughs> so she was really hurt by that. I remember yeah. she was quite upset. Um, you know, because he's kind of being a jerk about it. And... Um, <clears throat> He's a very nice man, but yeah, yeah. yeah for sure, but for also, sure. but you know, young men. He's a high schooler then, and so, and even his way of doing it wasn't like super obnoxious, but it was, it was enough that she felt dismissed. Yeah. Because she, you know, in many ways he was smarter than she was, mm-hmm. in many ways she was smarter than him. But so anyway, she a couple of years later he's going to college and he's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to take a music theory class because I need a break. Okay. He apologized uh-huh. a couple of weeks into the class or so, like, oh, this is hard. Yes. Like I have to work at this class. Uh-huh. He's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, butthead. Vindication. Uh, it was vindication, and yeah. she did feel vindicated. And I she bet. Because that's. When I learned, I didn't know, like the incredibly, the incredible depth of the music world yeah. and music theory. I had no idea. I still don't. Mm-hmm. But I came, I was introduced to the idea like this is very complex and difficult yeah. stuff. Well, there's that undervaluing of the arts, right? Well, and that's something that, I mean, my, my current partner and I, at the beginning of our relationship, he is a very, very smart man. He's a chemist. Yeah. Um, so he's done a ton and everything and just is incredibly good at what he does. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you guys have good 
chemistry. I knew you were. I knew it was coming. He would appreciate that. He likes puns. No, it's okay. Um, but that was definitely something where at the beginning I was kind of like, oh, I mean, I'm an English major and I was in undergrad at the time and yeah. I was like, I feel like this is less. And he's like, no, I want to learn about this because I don't know any of this. <laughs> like, and it seems just as like interesting and like I would like go through my linguistics textbooks with him and some of that like foundational linguistic stuff is the same kind of thing of the theories of linguistics and having to like reverse engineer Arabic when none of us spoke Arabic just off of like these couple of puzzle pieces and having to just translate a text or like it's crazy stuff and people undervalue the arts when there's a lot there that you don't think there's more to the world than just math and science well and it's interesting which we've talked about before on the podcast is this the different types of intelligence which is something um and the other podcast i listen to that's really apparently a field of the idea of intelligence being very fluid mm-hmm. is seems to be very uh, something they're very much exploring right now yeah and you, you kind of did it yourself a minute ago you kind of said when you compared your base of knowledge to his mm-hmm. it sounds like you felt like your base of knowledge was inferior to his like oh it doesn't have the value yours does right because for some reason stem fields and i mean rightfully so because they're i think they're more tangible sure intelligence because they are so based in world and improving things and in theorem Uh whereas i feel like a lot of the way that humanities and arts are presented is like oh it's all wishy-washy and dreamy and like you can't really prove any of it, so you can do whatever you want. You, you, you can call anything you want art, and it's art. Right. And there's no rules. It's just what everyone... Uh, it only has value based on what other right. people ascribe to it, where everyone needs to live in a house. Right. What, what you see, like, people, like, art majors and English majors, those are majors that are are shat on quite a bit, because it's seen as less important. Yeah. Less weighty. Yes impactful, although it's incredibly weighty and impactful. Right. And there's just as much depth of knowledge there. Oh, yeah. And that's what is can be surprising for a lot of people. And don't mm-hmm. believe me? Do some looking into it yourself. Poke around a little bit. Our, our good friend Jane in Australia, who we love to shout out in every episode. Hi, Jane. She can tell you exactly how much, because she, you know, she's very musical. Yes. As uh, she does conducting of mm-hmm. orchestras. She's amazing. So anyway. Yeah, Jane. Yay. So the word solfege mm-hmm. actually is a French word. Okay. And it comes, you know how you sing the scale, the Doremi. When you sing it, you sing it forwards and backwards. Yeah. Solfege comes from solfa. Oh, okay. In that range. Yeah. That's where solfege comes Interesting. from. Interesting. So it's kind of intertwined. It's kind of circular as to what, re- what right. it actually refers to. You couldn't to even really call that French then as a word because it's not based out of like French phonemes. It's based out of... Latin. The Latin. But French. But it was uh, created by a French person. Romantic so, language. Yes. And which also is from Latin. Derived from, yeah. from Latin. Um, one last thing. I just thought this was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Isaac Newton has got a little bit of a tie to okay. the solfege. Um or the Dore Me. Um, so he, Isaac Newton, associated the seven solfege syllables with the seven colors of the rainbow. Yes. This is actually going to link to something I was going to bring up. Go on. Really? And uh-huh. he surmised that each color vibrated accordingly. Oh. Which is a concept possibly related to the modern view of chromesthesia. Uh-huh. Thus, red has the least amount of vibration while violet vibrates the most. Okay. And yeah. And... We have, we've mentioned before, um, right now living in our home, we have a, an individual friend of ours who's 100% blind, mm-hmm. Tony, who does, Tony Gebhardt. Yep, who does our theme the song. Opening song. Thanks, Tony. We were talking, we were very uh, open and gracious about uh, asking questions. He mm-hmm. jokes about being blind all the time. He's, he's always saying, like, I'll see you later. Uh-huh. You know, and then someone's like, no, you won't. He goes like, yeah, you got me. It's like stupid, <laughs> stupid jokes. But... He, he did have sight when he was younger. Um, he lost his sight fully when he was like 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. And um, so he, but he, he does have memory of seeing. And so sometimes it's interesting because he'll allude to certain things. Mm-hmm. And he associates colors with people. Oh, okay. And colors with different things because he's gotcha. seen colors and he remembers mm-hmm. what colors are. Um, this is a little 
sidebar thing I thought was interesting. I asked him the other night at dinner, I said, so have you ever had someone who has been blind their entire life Mm -hmm. and they know that you have been sighted for part of your life? Do they ever ask you to describe what certain things are to them? Yeah. Since you have familiar, like an idea of what it's like to be, you you know what it's like to see nothing and you know what it's like to have seen. Mm -hmm. And the difficult thing, of course, is to describe what does color look like? Yes. Which is like, you start to wrap your mind. Some of you may have never thought of that before. You start to wrap your mind around how would you describe color to someone who can't see anything? Right. Because you can't do it unless it's like an approximation of like, oh, if I'm describing orange, I'm going to think of a carrot. But that has no actual connection. So he ties it to sensations. So he says the color yellow, you go outside and the sun is really hot. That feeling you get from the sun, Mm -hmm. that heat, that's yellow. It's very synesthesia. Yeah. And um, that's a whole other fascinating. Mm -hmm. Sometime I'm sure we'll bump into synesthesia and what the... Uh, explain what I touched on it so synesthesia is I don't know what you it's it's a condition I don't it's something happening mentally yeah I mean that that sounds derogatory when you say condition but I I don't think it should be derogatory obviously not not this nor any you know condition should be stigmatized Uh, but it's it's a thing where some people uh, their senses mix and influence each other's in ways that we don't see as typical so someone might be able to taste color Yes. So it's they can see a color and it has an associated taste or hear color or, hear color, or yeah. So people would since that's one of the most common things is someone listening to music can feel and see and color. see color just through the input of music, and that's something that's been seen replicated with taking. Uh, like hallucinogens. Yeah. Sometimes people can temporarily experience synesthesia, mm-hmm. but sometimes some people, their brains are just wired that way. We would love to hear any feedback if you have thoughts or ideas or have that yourself. We'd love to hear your stories. Maybe. I have a friend who is who has it, so yeah. I might maybe we can have them on at some point. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, that is my episode. Okay. For the week. I have one thing to throw in because it was kind of related. Please if do. that's okay. No, have you heard of Sol Reso? I don't know what that means. Uh, so it's a conlang, which is so uh, it's a constructed language, which is what's called a conlang. Oh. So it's rather than an organically occurring language, it's one that was invented by a person or group of people. Like Klingons. Yeah, I mean that's that's a right? fictional conling, but it is a conling because they yeah, did made it they up. made it, well, and it's it's up, a but... right, but it wasn't organically formed. It was formed. artificially, like we it was artificially formed, just okay. like uh, Esperanto, right? Yes, conling. There is one that's music based called Sol Re Sol, oh. where you can communicate based on either drawing the musical notation in that language, or by saying the solfege, or by humming the notes. Okay. Isn't that interesting? That's very interesting. It's, that's just the surface level about Sol Re Sol. Um, it's something I looked into a lot in high school just because I was really fascinated by conlangs yeah. and by music. So it's not used really at all, <laughs> but it's there. Well, it's it exists. I, I'm, still t- I'm still blown away by Tolkien who just made up languages like, mm-hmm. oh, I have this story. What if I just made up languages? Yes, Tolkien was... One of the foremost creators of conlangs. Well, he was he was borderline just like just wild yeah. inventiveness and imagination. Yeah. Um, I was going to say crazy, but I didn't mean that in a derogatory sense. I was like, right. I mean, I Go back to our mental uh, words for mental health driving nuts episode. Yes, and, and, I, and you'll I, learn more about that. And I, and I meant it in very much a complimentary way. Like, yeah, I was crazy. Like, oh my gosh, right. you're amazing. Um, so, as we like to wrap the episodes with mm-hmm. what stood out what did you learn i appreciated all the fancy names i knew you would <laughs> which was your favorite do you remember uh the clown one the king clown. what oh, was it alboin alboin it's just it sounds boingy that. i thought you were like theodolinda the best i mean that is theodolinda it rolls off the tongue beautifully it does. but alboin is just really good it is in a, in a very counterweight of theodolinda is just yes very they're elegant diametrically opposed <laughs> you are the jester and the king at the same time. No, but just seeing, I guess, just the breadth of history of this, how much yeah. there is there, and like the fact that it comes from a song. I had no idea that those are syllables. So that was exciting to learn because that's something I've been using. I mean, I started learning piano at like seven or whatever. So I've been using those for a long time. And yeah, it's cool to know more. 
it, it, for me, I just, I, it was the same thing for me was the, the whole, I, I had no idea this was constructed from a hymn, but mm-hmm. that is the, the core of why I wanted to do this podcast in the first place. Cause there's all this stuff that we use all the time. And like, there's this deep, I would say rich history. And yeah. Like for this episode, I had to go, okay. Um, there are some episodes that we do that are very content heavy Yes, and we don't interact much because they're like, and we talk about it beforehand. Like this episode, I just got, a we lot were just going to power through it and we're not going to interact much. Yeah. I could have made this a content-heavy episode for sure, yeah. but you got to know, like, when do you stop the research? Because you can only... Right. We want to keep it to an hour or less, mm-hmm. and we've got to cut some stuff. So you try to... This one was more like, I want to hit the high points, but if you are interested in this, you know, go online, get, yeah. go take a class. You will be... If you haven't looked into it, you'll be shocked at how deep this goes. Yeah. Because you could have a podcast just about solvation, mm-hmm. and no one would listen. But you could do it. <laughs> Except for my mom and Maya. That's right. Maya, yeah, that we, we appreciate it. But, uh, yeah, if you if anyone wants... There's probably that podcast exists. Oh, I'm, I'm sure of it. Because you can get a podcast about anything. <laughs> There's over 750,000 podcasts podcast being produced right now. It's wild. We appreciate that you took the time to visit ours. There it is. We're both going Yep. That's a good wrap-up segue. Uh, You could have picked any podcast to listen to today, and you came here, and we're very appreciative. Oh, my gosh. That's so nice. I know. We're flattered. Um, I was going to throw in, just to solidify, my favorite thing I learned before we do the final wrap Mm -hmm. is the same thing. I was was really thought it was fascinating to uh, find out that this came from a very ancient hymn by Paul the Deacon. Yes. Also part of a gang. Many, <laughs> Not, nope, nope. Now we're doing misinformation. Oh. <laughs> this is how we lose <laughs> listeners. <laughs> oh, uh, I apologize. I like to riff a little bit. I, I listen to Conan too much. And, uh-huh. uh, he goes on these epic riffs and yeah. They're quite often. I think funny. I think people know when we're being a I little so. silly. I hope so. uh, as far as we know, Paulus Diaconus was not in a gang and killed no one. As um, far as we know, as far, who can say the veil of time? We know who. That's our next podcast. Listen to the veil of time. The veil of time, starring Dave and Milo. Or Milo and Dave. <laughs> I don't know what it's about. Anyway. We'll find to figure it out and you'll you'll find out too, except you won't. But <laughs> that was so well said. Thank Here. you. I'm very eloquent. Good job, Theo Delinda. My thank you. So if you would like, you can leave us a review Please. on either Facebook or a lot of streaming platforms allow you to leave a review as well. That's very useful for us and we would appreciate it. You can join our Facebook group to interact, see pictures about the episodes and see new drops as they come. Thank you to Tony Gebhardt for our theme song. We really love it. Anything else? No, we should be back on a regular weekly schedule. Yes. We did take two weeks off. Thank um, you for your patience. Yep. And uh, please spread the word. Let people know this podcast exists. We have a small family at this point. Mm-hmm. We would love to see it grow. Um, we are toying with the idea of, uh, especially this next year, doing a lot more promotion. Yep. If you have ideas on how to promote, let us know. And yeah, If you have a podcast and would like to cross promote we'd be interested in chatting with you if you feel like you have a good uh topic and a story that you'd want to be on the podcast and share your findings we'd be open to talking to you that might happen yeah Um, we could possibly do that so yeah we uh let people know because we'd love to see this grow and at some point we even might have some merchandise maybe we'll see we'll see like a red bubble or something yeah Okay. Well, thank you all so much for coming, uh, and we will see you next week. I'm Milo. I'm Dave. Stay curious and carry a hatchet. I forgot to sign off for a second.